0: Today on Make Some Noise, I'm joined by Rachel Penn from Healing Penn Creative Somatic Integration. And I wanted to get Rachel on because there's this interesting piece that I've been wanting to explore with someone around addiction and anxiety and art therapy. And Rachel is not only an art therapist, she is also into somatic experiencing. And This has come up a few times for me recently, just people mentioning somatic experiencing, and I had no idea what it was about. So I was really excited to explore this. It's a really interesting conversation about art therapy and feelings and expressing them. So I can't wait to introduce you to Rachel Penn. Enjoy. Creativity, self expression, and feelings creativity, self-expression, and billing. Make some noise,
1: make some noise, 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 make some noise. It's a podcast. Okay, get to it. My story sounds a little bit similar to yours. So I had crippling anxiety, did not know what was wrong with me, Went to numerous doctors, psychologists, tried everything, like everything under the sun and had no luck. And I do believe in medication. Um, I think it saves a lot of people's lives. Totally. But I knew I didn't want to take that route for myself because I didn't need it before. Why do I need it now? How can I find out where the missing link is? So I tried everything. And then eventually I found an art therapist and I said, well, I haven't tried this. Um, let's give it a go. But I was very apprehensive as well. So I went and seen her and I said, I'm not even sure if I want to do art, but I know that you're going to work differently. So what she did was kind of like sneaky art, um, I would <laughs> say. <So laughs> she asked me to draw a picture of each person in my family. And I said, oh, I'm not comfortable with that. And um, she said, okay, get a piece of paper and for each piece of paper you use a different colored pen and you write the name of each person in your family and then you write underneath what they would say about you and then i just went wow after it 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 was not even very artistic but it was just a different way of getting into something which then opened up um a little avenue to uh for me to start being a little bit more artistic and playing with what we'd found and using art allowed me to access my own inner wisdom so I'd been seeing all these other people and they'd been trying to tell me what I should do and what I'm not doing or what I could do or what I am doing and why isn't working and within a couple of art therapy sessions I was OCD agoraphobic just out of my mind and when within a couple of art therapy sessions I would say that my anxiety had almost halved just because something inside of me went oh yes this is what we've been trying to tell you so unknowingly I've been overriding something for so long or I just I didn't know how to witness it in my own self Mm. and I think the art making process just allows you to have a conversation with your soul so instead of um, like if I ask you to tell me a story about your life you're going to tell me the same pre-prepared story that you tell everyone but if I ask you to Write about your life or draw something about your life, who knows what's going to come out? It's it, um, because it's your soul and the depth of you that is expressing what needs to be expressed, and that's where I found the magic. And then I thought, cool, in five years' time, or well, not five years' time, but in a few years' time, I'm going to go get my shit sorted and I'm going to learn how to do this one day. So, five years later, a bit of therapy getting myself together, finding a sense of self, I thought, right, I'm doing it. So that's where my journey started into art therapy and then onwards now into somatic experiencing, which still uses the body creatively to find answers. So tell me about, I actually
0: had never heard uh, until, as as luck would have it, uh, as Often things happen. I'd never actually heard of it and I was on a group call that I am part of this um, like online circle of women and one of them was talking about she had been having somatic, is it somatic therapy?
1: Yeah, somatic experiencing. yeah.
0: Uh, And I had never heard of it before. And then when Kirsten introduced us online, I saw it come up again and I was like, wow, this is really (laughs) interesting. (laughs) So, because, you know, I thought, I I mean, I've done a lot of different therapies over the years and I'd never heard of that one. So could you tell us a little bit about how it works and and what it is?
1: Um, It's about incomplete responses in our nervous system. So there's Fight, flight and freeze. And these responses don't get to be played out in certain situations. I guess we live in a culture that's so busy that we have to override a lot of these things or you can't cry because it might not be masculine enough or strong enough. I don't know. Expressing certain things in certain ways just aren't, we don't have time for it in our culture a lot of the time. Or we've been conditioned not to do that by our parents or society And so somatic experiencing gives you the experience to complete incomplete responses and it can't come from the mind. It's so bizarre. Um, You just follow the body. So it's kind of tapping into something that you notice in your body and tracking that and allowing um, a movement or, yeah, it's usually a movement or a gesture to be completed. Uh, So Uh, I've just done touch therapy as well, which is the next part of the somatic experiencing. It's almost like doing therapy with the body. So you're having almost like a counselling session with a part of the body and noticing what happens inside. There's a lot of resourcing first. So it's building up someone's um, window of tolerance to go into those places in their bodies that they may have been overriding for a lifetime.
0: Wow. So I guess like it's another form of expression.
1: Yes. So the thing is it has to naturally come from yourself in relation to someone else. So I couldn't sit here and tell you, I think you need to get angry. You should do this process that we might have to work with anger. Um, That would be inauthentic, which I see a lot of lately is a lot of people are trying to tell people what to do, but really Mm -hmm. our bodies have um, a wisdom and we need to guide people into finding how their body needs to express what needs to express. So it's more supporting someone's own body in finding their movement, their gesture, their complete response.
0: Yeah, so cool. So how do do those two work together? Do you use the art therapy and the somatic experiencing together?
1: I have been. um, They've kind of been growing together now. So there's a lot of things like there's guided imagery where you can bring in a sense of fight and flight, where you might have your eyes closed and you'll be—you might have a scenario, what were you running from—and you're making these running movements on the paper. Yeah. Um Wow, that yeah, is so cool. Exciting. Oh my god, or that is so cool. <laughs> it's really cool, or like um, self-soothing. So it might be um, making these movements that are made for a meditative state or nurturing states, and it's feeling how you feel in your body as you make these movements on the paper. Um, And then also just simple questions about people's artwork at the end, like when you look at your artwork, how does that make you feel and where or how do you feel that in your body? So it's the thread that connects your artwork back into your body. And then um, another really important question at the end is if your artwork had a sound or a movement, what would it be? And since I've incorporated that question into the art therapy process, we just have some beautiful answers and it really shocks the client as well. One time I had a man say, I know this isn't going to make sense to anyone, but when I think about the movement and the sound of my artwork, I think of these like ballerinas going across the room and I can just see them and feel them all. And I know that doesn't make sense to anyone, but it's really important to me and i didn't know what the representation of the ballerinas were to him but having that question there allowed him to have this imagery and this sensation and feeling of what it would be feeling like to be i guess i don't know the gracefulness the ease or whatever it was that he was sensing in that moment so it's been really beautiful that is so cool i um
0: for a couple of reasons one is while thinking about this podcast and my own creativity and my own journey through expression. Uh, One of the exercises that I have been doing is actually something similar. So uh, taking, so when I have, when I'm experiencing something like rage, actually taking that to a canvas and painting the feeling. And it's, it's been so therapeutic, like just doing it as an exercise, whether it was joy or, um, you know, or, yeah, or rage, actually taking that and giving it as an expression through art has been really um, helpful. So I love that idea. The other thing that um, that came up and I wrote down was like, I feel like as a society, we're kind of often removed from our bodies. We're just like floating up in our heads all the time, all the self-doubt, all the comparison, all the all every all the things that are going on up there. So we're we're often so far removed from our bodies. You know, for me that was a huge thing. I had to relearn, oh, what does happiness feel like? Oh, what does sadness feel like in my body? I, you know, I had um numbed everything to the point where I I I couldn't connect to that. So I love that idea of it it's almost like coming back into the body. And then um, like, yeah, connecting that with the expression of art. So cool. It must be so, so amazing to witness people in that space.
1: Absolutely. We did last week, we did an exercise on um, anger and we drew our anger, our relationship to anger as a child, a teenager and wherever we are now. And it was really mind-blowing for some people to see I wasn't angry as a child but I was surrounded by anger but I wasn't allowed to be angry. Mm. By the time I was a teenager, I was angry but I don't know why and now I have this issue with anger and it's either explosive or completely repressed. Yes. So then we were able to start weaving the thread back through of like, where do you feel that anger in your body? What does it want to do? Does it want to push out? Does it want to shout? Does it want to stomp? Does it want to stand up? Um there's a lot of spiritual ro- override now, you know, like Oh my god. I'm, yes, which is <laughs> why, that's a
0: big part of why I wanted to start this podcast because it's like, you know, bypassing but bypassing bad feels for good feels is just shaming yeah. yourself. It's not it's and it's not like the, we need to express both and and it hasn't it hasn't been safe in society to do so. You know, it's like you're you're angry, and it's inappropriate to be angry. You know, like I rem- I've posted a couple of times. Um, you know, a while back, uh, my husband does some things that drives me just fucking crazy, and like leaving leaving a wardrobe door open, like it's absolute bullshit stuff. But it it yeah. you know this rage builds inside me. And I've, I've done a couple of posts where one thing he does is pulls all the laundry out of the washing machine and sticks it on top of my car. Right. (laughs) And it just like, every time I see it, I'm like, Oh, you're fucking kidding me. Right. So I took this picture of it and I posted it on Instagram and, and people were like really uncomfortable with yeah. my rage about it. You know, it's like trying to make me feel better about it. And and I feel like that's where we're at as a society is we're trying to protect people from their own feelings rather than allowing yeah. them to just feel them and actually making it safe for them to experience that without the shame and the guilt and all that so kind of jazz. Shame.
1: I cannot stand. I see a lot of people on Facebook or whatever and they're giving their talks and they've got a ton of money and whatever and they're like, I just woke up today and decided to be happy and you can do that yes. too. And oh
0: I think <laughs> oh,
1: maybe this person really needs to have their anger or their sadness or their helplessness honored today. Like what, what's going on behind that? Um, should they just repress that too and just push it down a little further? And yeah, I choose to be happy. Like, no, I, I just, it really gets me and it's like this is why we all get in the states that we're in because we're shamed out of feeling our authentic responses and we don't feel them and they just get pushed down. We watch more Netflix or we we turn into workaholics or whatever, you know, just to avoid this authentic quite, feeling.
0: Quite natural Yeah, feelings. And this is the thing about those feelings is that when we allow ourselves to actually feel and express them, they move through very quickly. It's like, you know, we don't have to get attached and stuck in them. I mean, I, I still have moments where, you know, I might have like, I don't know, I might be on a bit of a downhill spiral and feeling shit about life and afraid or whatever's going on. But I don't necessarily stay in them like I used to because I just kind of, have an expression for it whether that is sometimes I just jump in my car actually took some photos that I'm going to put on Instagram sometimes I just get in my car and scream you know and like ah fuck that kind (laughs) of stuff and then boom it's like I've moved through it and it's cool but I don't but it's not even about like um moving through it so it's no longer uncomfortable. It's just like allowing it to be whatever it is.
1: Yep. And it's being allowing it to be there so you can be the observer of it and you can move through it. Um, And it's knowing the difference between falling down the rabbit hole and becoming it or moving into it and embracing this is what I'm feeling right now. So I think when we, there's that fine line of, being engulfed by anger, and it's consuming. But when we can express it freely, then we're observing it, we're noticing it, we're honouring it, we're moving through it. And when we've given the chance to move through it, so in our art therapy group, we might do anger. And then for people who finish early, we take another piece of paper, we'll have a mandala, and inside, we'll amplify a piece of our work. So what piece of that anger work stood out for you the most? Let's make another picture about that. Let's take a part of that out and amplify it in this picture. And then once we're moving through the anger work, then usually underneath it, there's sadness, there's
0: yeah, fear,
1: you know, fear, insecurity, and then the the kind of core thing under all these things can also be like that person needed some, you know, security, some nurturance at that time. Um, some stability, and it just you can get down to another layer if you're able to work with the rage or whatever's showing up for you. It's overcoupled with so many things that there'll be some more gold underneath there to work with on a different level.
0: Totally. oh, the onion is always just another another yeah. layer. Uh, yeah, it's enough to make you cry. And so one one thing that you had mentioned earlier that I found really interesting was uh, you had spoken about um, doing artwork as like anger when you were a child, anger in your teen years and then kind of anger as an adult. And the way that you had said it was like uh, as a child sometimes like there's anger around you, it's not necessarily that you're angry. I think sometimes it's also from my own personal experience, anger, uh, you know, having a tantrum and as a, a small child and then just not, and being being shamed for that kind of thing, like get over it, kind of, you know, those kind of responses we, that we were big in the children. 80s. <laughs> yeah, expect children to be adults. You yeah, know, yeah, have and have some form of emo- emotional regulation. And then, yeah, and then like, yeah, really shaming them when they're not. So, so sometimes we can be around anger and sometimes it's not safe for us to ex- express the anger. Um, yeah. And then in those teenage years, I'm interested to explore this if you're open to it. Uh, because for me, one thing that I found was uh, as a child, I was really creative and expressive and just a total dork and would do songwriting circles and, new, you know, making the school newspaper or whatever it was, Getting going out of class to teach the preps a dance or, you know, just really dorky stuff. And then I got to high school and that shit wasn't really cool. And so uh, it moved into more of a survival mode. And a suppression yep. of all of those creative parts of myself that I loved so much. And that suppre- suppression and the anger continued on until my first bout of depression, really. And then since then, it's been the unfolding and coming back to that kid who actually really loved being a creative, weird, wonderful human being. <laughs> so I wonder if that's actually a thing that that you see, um, like, is that a kind of a common thread?
1: Yeah, definitely. When people, I think, especially in active addiction and addiction yeah. recovery, a lot of people I find have lost their sense of self along the way and whether it might have been they just didn't fit into a, a situation and they had to change or be something else or their family didn't support the fostering a sense of self or somewhere along the way that gets lost and we don't know who we are anymore and to deal with the displacement. There, there'll be coping mechanisms that aren't it's completely really useful healthy. and in, yeah. in my, <laughs> was it, no, for a little bit and then no. Mm-hmm. And then um, in, in the art group, a lot of people say, I haven't, I don't remember feeling like this, I don't know, since I was a kid or I used to love doing this stuff or there's a lot of shame that comes up as well. Oh, I, I really love doing this. And then, my year twelve teacher told me that this artwork that I did was a piece of crap, and then it just goes bang and cuts it cuts them right down um or my my mum told me that photography would never make money. I'm wasting my life bang you know so there's all these things when you're young and vulnerable and someone insults your work or tells you your dreams are crap that um something that you love just gets suppressed and this is as a society as well we're storytellers we're meaning makers we heal with ritual um but because it doesn't make money and it's not you know um I mean I this is know, the thing right like <laughs> even
0: even in the entrepreneurial circles at you know the last kind of t- decade I guess there's been this real movement of like find your passion and and monetize it and you know and I've worked with so many women over the years who have gone off and had kids and then wanted to find something that they could do so that they could stay home with their kids. And so they turned to that model of like turning your passion and put into purpose and, and, you know, making money from it. Um, when, when what, what I feel is totally overlooked is the value of having a hobby, you know, just yeah. something that you can do because it feels really good for you to do yeah. rather than yeah. trying to turn all of your, um, all of the things that you love to do into something that, has all this duty yep. and responsibility and stuff attached to it. You know, there's nothing wrong with sometimes having a job and then having some really good hobbies that fulfil you.
1: If you don't make all your money and success off your hobby, then you've turned into a fat, the hobby didn't work. It's a failure.
0: Totally. And why
1: can't your hobby just be joyful? And we keep trying to foster this in our friendship groups as well. We're like, can we just come together and create for one evening for the sake of creating or I run a community art therapy group as well and I basically charge no money it's just covers a room higher and some snacks and I get a few extra bucks in my pocket but because for that night I've got a regular job for that night for me it's not about the money it's about Let's come together as a community and engage therapeutically in the art making process, and remember what it's like to heal through ourselves and our hands and our art.
0: Yeah, it's so important, right? Because as, like, just as in as in uh, parenthood, we've kind of become, or just society in general, we've kind of become this insular place we live in these little houses we're totally disconnected from the people around us uh you know we're we're watching netflix scrolling our screens for the connection that we're actually seeking which is really to self um uh, but in the mm-hmm. old days we used to sit around in circles and weave fucking baskets and yeah we don't do
1: any of that now <laughs>
0: yep and it is so
1: important We just went to China last year and I loved it because the sun goes down and the ladies are out dancing in the street and they're doing Tai Chi in the parks and they're playing card games with all their neighbours out in the street. And I was like, I love this. Like, this is what I'm trying to foster, just communities connecting authentically.
0: Yes, and, and even like just when you were saying that, the Tai Chi thing, I'm thinking like so even when it comes to our health and fitness, it's not just because it makes it, us feel good, it's for an end goal, right? It's like because we want a hot body or we want, you know, yeah. like rather than just because it actually feels really good to dance or sing or express yourself.
1: Uh, so, well, I noticed um, during yeah. my experience in uh, training I realised that I had a real issue with healthy aggression and when I had to do my healthy aggression section, I was like, oh, I don't know, like doing the whole nice thing and I was like, that person's had a hard life and blah, blah, blah Mm. and they were like, no, no, but this is your chance to safely get angry about something and I'm like, oh, I don't know and then I realised I've got an issue with healthy aggression and then our teacher was talking about how um martial arts, tai chi, kung fu, all that stuff can be very beneficial for completing fight-flight responses. So I thought, right, I'm gonna take my SE experience and put it out there, and I have started martial arts. And I think of that in an SE perspective. So it's like being strong in my body and learning how to move with my body and how it feels to complete these movements and how does it feel for someone to whack me in the face and me to whack them back and things like that in a really safe environment. And that was very activating for me at the start. I used to find myself going into freeze or I'd feel like emotions coming up. And I thought, oh, wow, all this repressed stuff now given the space to come out and, I mean, it doesn't happen for everyone, but having the having that observer self and the conscious awareness of connecting to the feeling in the body and putting it out there in an aggressive state was very therapeutic for me now it's yeah, so it's it's not about my hot body or anything like that. I go because I'm like, this is good fun and therapeutic for me it's very it's I yeah. don't know we don't allow ourselves to have enough therapeutic hobbies experiences, whatnot out there.
0: Absolutely. And it is so important to our mental wellbeing, that idea of there just being one approach to life that we should all kind of box into, where it's like, we, you know, we have the nine to five and we, but even then having the idea that your life is less than because of that, you know, is not healthy yeah. either. Right. Cause it's like, I don't know, it's that whole destination thing. When I, when I, have when I am working for myself, then I'll be able to be happy and when I yeah. have the hot body, then I'll be able to be happy and when I have, you know, when it's like, yeah, that's that's when it's, you know, it's never about that destination. It's just about the, and it sounds like such a cliche, it's about the journey, but it's also about the, just like the presence in that moment, right? So it's like the presence in the moment to be present to what you're feeling, Without shame.
1: Yeah. yeah. absolutely. And that's where the SE comes in because you're looking, you're looking, you're looking for something, filling yourself up with this, filling yourself up with that. And through the S E experience, you get to fill yourself up with yourself, from yourself. The whatever you're looking for externally, you work on internally and then you stop the compulsion, the the need to keep looking, to keep looking. Once you um Complete what needed to be completed it 's done, and it 's just satisfying yeah, <laughs> and it 's myself to get to a place of like i 've experienced love like i 've never felt before, boundaries like i 've never felt before i 'm allowing my body to feel all these things that it hasn 't i mean we can say, oh yeah, I have good boundaries i 'm doing this i 'm doing that, but once you embody it, that 's different because we can talk to someone about boundaries or anger, or this or that. And our brain can go, oh yeah, I get that. Makes sense. But until we embody it, because we can talk ourselves out of our head, you know, what we've learned or what we're thinking. But once we feel it, really feel it, the body doesn't lie. So the body remembers that feeling. Oh yeah, I experienced that. I completed that. And then there's like a finalization of it.
0: Yeah. You can't ask the body. Yeah. So true. So when it comes to addiction and trauma, how do, you, how do you see these, you know, art therapy and somatic experiencing, uh, is, like, is, that, is it all about releasing suppressed feelings and emotions from childhood or, like, wh- what is it that, that helps with, with those two areas in particular?
1: They get to reflect on their story. Um, maybe it's a different story as well that they didn't even know existed inside of themselves. And it also allows them to build up a sense of self, um, whether that's creatively or they see themselves in a different light through their artwork. And some of my clients have been coming for a couple of years and they say, wow, one night I just pulled out all my artworks and put them all over my lounge room floor and I see my life changing mm-hmm. before my eyes in each week. It's, it allows the sense of self to grow, to change, to develop. And it allows them to be the observer of their life and have an understanding in a different way like, oh, I was really hurting back then and I can see how or why. And sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense at the time. And it's these moments when they pull them out and look back over and say, oh, wow, I've got a lot of compassion for my younger self, what I went through, what I didn't get, what I did get. Um, and..." look at all this work that I've done along the way and it kind of weaves in the tools you know the the more well these clients get the more that shows through their artwork and they can see the healing journey that they've experienced so it might be and you know sometimes there might be we had one guy and he had um Boris the Bull and for two years it didn't matter what um our works were about it was like the journey of Boris the Bull and Boris the Bull was just this really young Angry bull. And then by the time he left our group a couple of years later, like Boris was like chill and at peace with the world. And it was just his own reflection. It was beautiful. Um, we do like story writing classes as well, which are really quite profound, where we write ourselves into a character and we might write about our whole life or we might write about one thing in our life. And it just through the art therapy it allows you to see maybe like, oh, I I understand why I have an addiction now. I'm not a bad person or maybe I've done some crappy things. But when I read this story, I understand why. And we've kind of put it as in like you don't talk about yourself as like I wouldn't be Rachel. I would be the witch or the princess or the whatever it is. Yeah. And it kind of comes out differently then. And when they can read about their story from this other perspective, They have great compassion for themselves and what they've been through.
0: Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? I just uh, last year or this year, well, for years actually, but I finished it this year. I wrote a memoir which was just about like my journey through business over the past kind of fifteen years, and and just writing it, even though I was writing it in the first person and you know of my direct experiences. It was incredibly therapeutic because it did give me this. Uh, there, there became, and I guess this is what maybe art therapy and um, somatic experiencing does for you. When I, I found when I wrote this book, I got it was it was like I was outside of the story writing it. So it yeah. is you do automatically become some kind of observer to your experience. Yeah. Um. Which is the the most powerful part, right? Like actually witnessing that all of this stuff is going on, you know, for you. Um, but, but it actually isn't you. You know, like there's there's this kind of distance that happens.
1: I find with that writing as well. You kind of it's like sometimes I feel like it's like a trance-like state. Mm. Just. And then you reflect back, and you're like, "Where did that all come from?" Oh my god,
0: I know. So I've read things, and I'm like, "Wow, that's really..." And then, oh, I wrote that. You know, it's like, (laughs) did it? I don't even remember writing that. That's weird. But yeah, yeah.
1: And there's a difference from sitting down and thinking, "I want to write about this." Mm. Like it's like there's writing from the head, and there's writing from the soul. Yeah. When
0: um, one of the the first things that I did when I was diagnosed. With depression in 2009, was I was working with this amazing psychotherapist, and she, I think it was, I think she recommended, um, what is it, Julie Cameron's The Artist's Way, and one of the parts of that was the morning pages, and I, I don't do them anymore. Um, probably, you know, should uh, <laughs> or could if I, if I um, really wanted to. But anyway, so we I used to do those morning pages and it was sometimes it would just be me writing I don't feel like this. This is bullshit. I don't I don't want to write 3 yeah. pages, but I would keep writing and keep writing and keep writing. And then after, you know, 12 months or whatever, I would go back and look through some of the things that I'd written and the the level of insight it gave me to myself, it was like the first practice of self-awareness for me because I I realized that there was like yeah, there was this other place that wasn't like in my head all the time. And if I could just get this bit out of the way, then I could access more of the truth of me, you know, rather than constantly all of these stories that aren't even normally my voices going on in my head, but the voices of my teachers and my parents and, um, you know, friends and, and all that kind of jazz. Yeah.
1: What we also do in our art therapy group, I was just came to me as i was thinking we were doing the automatic writing the other week where we just wrote for 10 minutes and then we grabbed a piece out of the writing that was most prominent for us and we turned it into an artwork and um we we really try and um slow down the process as well once we get to that art making phase because it can become so intimidating to make art when you haven't made it for such a long time that we want to fly through the process and you're like oh I just made my art therapy process and I did it in 10 minutes and I didn't have to feel a thing so it's like we kind of talk a lot about like allowing yourself to arrive before you even you know arriving at the artwork creating the artwork noticing what you're feeling as you're making the art, it's like slowing down and being with your process is so important. So the body is woven in from the start to the end. And we also have this process at the beginning where we really notice how we're feeling. And we have these three zones that we like to work in. And one is like the safety zone where nothing really is going to happen. You have a nice time and you do a bit of creating, but it's not very reflective. And then the second is the growth zone where you have this reflective um, experience where you're inquiring about your work, how you're feeling, what are you doing, what are you noticing, and then there's the overwhelm where you just basically put your trauma down on the paper and we don't recommend going there because you're just re-traumatising yourself and tears and catharsis doesn't always equal healing. It can just mean wearing down that trauma path again. Um, So we really try from the very minute that we sit down and we have these discussions to the very end where we're finishing off our journal questions, we really weave in this what am I noticing now, how am I monitoring myself and how's that showing up for me in my artwork, in my body, in my journal.
0: Yeah, so beautiful.
1: Because these people have looked at their body, inside their body for years. No, I know, and and that's the
0: whole thing, right? Like I don't think I had any awareness that I even had a body you know, yeah. like for many years, I was just kind of floating through life up in my head the entire time and not even like, you know, in the head, stuck in the past or very much projected into a very fearful future. Never, it, I was just on total autopilot. And yeah, and there was no connection to the body whatsoever.
1: Yeah, and we do have that, like everything does rush to the head because we live in our head, we get angry, it all goes up to our head, we get sad, we live in our head, and it's like we've got the power to actually notice where does that anger actually sit in my body, where does the sadness sit, where does joy sit? And we can notice that energy as it rises, but we can also drop it back down into noticing where it belongs and we can expand it out into our body. That's the thing with um, SE as well we've got this whole container to hold all of these emotions, but we constrict and contract against it and we hold it all in our head and up here. And it's like, ah, that's a trick of our body. We think we're going to protect ourselves if we tighten up, but if we tighten up, we can't feel. So if we connect back into the body where we actually feel these sensations and soften and open, we can allow what wants to happen to happen and to be felt and to move through. So it's, Noticing I can control when I become aware of my whole container and body, I can expand that feeling out to where it actually needs to be instead of constricting and holding onto it.
0: Yeah. And while
1: Yeah,
0: it totally does. And while you were saying that, I was thinking about the idea like addiction and depression and anxiety. Yep. That real fear of the depths of your feeling. You know, yeah. Um, and so when it comes to, you know, things like, yeah, like addiction, particularly, uh, mm-hmm. there is, and even, and depression, and all that kind of jazz, there is a real fear of like, how far does this depth of feeling go? Yeah. Yep. And then a, you know, a constriction to keeping our feelings within this safe zone. Because, you know what I mean? Because it's like we don't know how, how, I don't know, like there's this fear that happens about the full expression of that.
1: They've never felt their actual container before. So how do they know where it goes? They probably never have felt a true sense of safety. Um, So we do a lot of safety, boundary work, and making each other aware of our containers because, and this is the thing that also gripes me a little bit in a lot of there's a lot of unsafe workshops where they just go pow straight into all of that let's get to the core of everything and blow it up and everyone's crying and then and the facilitator sitting back going yes I've done a great job look at all these tears they're feeling feelings but really this person is going to go in a couple of days time back to however they're feeling or whatever because they haven't been given the tools to know about their boundaries and their safety and they're not even aware that they have feet, you know, they're, they're just here. So it's like we need to get them in touch with their body, with their container and and know that if they feel this, they've got this room to to experience it and they trust the container of their body is going to hold it. And I guess it's like there's also a process of titrating your way to that extreme sensation, whatever they might be going into, emotion. But um, the important part is teaching them about their body. Um, Sometimes I do a mindfulness um, class as well out at the rehab and the detox centre and quite often they say, I had no idea I had the ability to notice and feel so much in one class and contain myself all the way through it. So it's amazing once you teach someone about just it seems so simple, but once you teach someone about their energy and their body, and their safe places, then amazing things happen. <laughs> mm,
0: yeah, I love that. So we're wrapping it up. Where, like, how do you? What is your chosen creative expression these days?
1: Oh there's so many um like after this I'm about to go do uh, pet therapy with my dog oh cool (laughs) yeah anything that is I think sensory I really think sensory things are very important especially living in the western world we don't touch each other enough or we we're not we don't explore a lot with our hands or different modalities and I think The sensory experience really ties everything in. That's where it starts with our senses. So I think anything that, I mean, even you should see my toolbox. It's crazy. I've got um, plasticine. Even just using plasticine in a session as you talk keeps you grounded. Artwork, um, creating anything. Anyway, clay, ripping paper, drawing, painting, movement, Tai Chi, Kung fu, dancing, uh, non-linear movement, all that kind of stuff. It's just as long as it involves the body is where I'm at. Um, So it's, I I still also love talk therapy, but as we do talk therapy, how can we express that in a picture or how can you show me that with your body? So basically it's always going to involve the body in some way, shape or form.
0: Cool. And so... If um if there was an invitation to the people to to pick something up and you know do something today to help them um you know with their creativity or with their expression what would that be from you what would you like to invite them to to do
1: um well our teacher always used to tell us just get started And that used to terrify me because I was like, what does that even look like? I've seen some really beautiful things and stories just made out of um, stick figures. I've seen stick figure stories that make me want to cry. It's that amazing. So don't, it's not about the final piece that you make. It's about the journey and the reflection through it. So sometimes we do, which is easy to start with, like a Mr. Squiggle drawing hold a question in your mind and I get my clients to use their non-dominant hand and squiggle a scribble on a page for like maybe 30 seconds. They open their eyes, they turn it around, they turn the squiggle then into a picture and then they take the picture and make some meaning out of it. How does this picture relate to the question that I ask? And you're always going to find what you need because. You might draw something and you'll be like, This is clearly a cat. And I'll be like, A cat? It's clearly an aeroplane. You know, we're going to see what we need to see in the picture. So, drawing a scribble drawing and then um, embellishing that is a super safe, easy way to start creating because it's a scribble. So, if it looks crap, it's okay because how can you make a scribble look great? You know, Um, we can be really hard on ourselves. Like, if we try and be creative and it doesn't work then we go, oh, no, that's not for me. But a scribble is just a scribble. Um, so you can really make some meaning out of that, embellish a journal about it. Uh, I have a Facebook page called Healing Pen Creative Somatic Integration. So I'll quite often put up my art therapy exercises there that people can inquire about if they want to practice them at home or try them out or ask questions. Uh, so... The scribble drawing is definitely a very easy one or even sometimes if you just want to play, uh, I'll get paint and squish it onto a page, flip it over, squish it about, open it up, what do you see? And it can be as easy as that and you just start to see pictures within it and what do those pictures mean to you? And you can make hundreds of those and they're, they speak volumes.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And so if people want to connect with you, the Facebook page is um, one way. Is there any other websites or anything to let people know about?
1: At the moment, the Facebook page would be the easiest. Cool. No worries. I'll put a
0: link in the show notes. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's so much to say. It's like, how do I... Pull it all in. <laughs> yeah, I feel ya. I feel ya. <laughs> there's yeah. always, like the onion, there's always another layer, isn't there?
1: Yeah, but I do think like the main thing is if your therapy yeah. isn't working for anyone who's going through the process, it's like as long as the person who's supplying the therapy is safe, nothing is too wacky, you know. Like I've tried some pretty crazy stuff. And sometimes the crazy stuff is very effective and as long as the person is trained and safe and trauma-informed, go for it. Don't, you know, give it a go because the trauma processing part of our brain doesn't live in the language part. So sometimes you do have to do something out of your comfort zone with your hands, with your body, with your voice, with your movements. So that that's, yeah, that would be my final piece of takeaway advice. Don't be too scared to try something too crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) so true thank you so much thank you
0: and that's a wrap go to CarlyNimo.com to find ways to connect to your creativity and live life on your frequency until next week make some noise